Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode. Welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast, episode number 410. You're going to learn three key things from today. One is the Dawn Sales Process, um, something I'd never heard of before, but it's a great way to pre-qualify clients. The second is around paid advertising, in particular LinkedIn, but also around programmatic. And the third is around handling a remote team. And it's not actually handling, it's about getting the best out of a remote team, which is some uh, great, great advice. So if you're a first time listener, uh, welcome. And if you love what you hear, please subscribe on whatever platform you're on. And if you're a regular, always love those reviews. Uh, much appreciated. As I always say, take notes. But there'll also be a summary in whatever you're listening to right now or wherever you're listening to right now. And there'll also be uh, much more detailed notes at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. And you can also get the full transcript as well. And before we go to the interview with Peter, I'd like to thank uh, two of our key sponsors. One is the Cloud Consultants Collective, where cloud consultants, hopefully like you, can get together and uh, solve each other's key questions. It's a great community. It's free. It's on Slack. So just go to cloudconsultantscollective.com. And the other is SendSpark. And SendSpark's a wonderful way of sending videos in the sales process. Let's face it, we all live on Zoom these days. And, you know, most people are buying you. So why not share you in the process? And if you go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash SendSpark, you will get six months free and uh, it's absolutely wonderful. So today's guest is uh, Peter Coy. He's a Zoho authorized partner and a certified consultant, and he's been uh, in IT since 1992. So worlds of wisdom. And he's also responsible for implementing around 150 um, projects. And uh, he does the full Zoho uh, Zero um, or Zoho One, I should say. A program. And, uh, you know, he's um, very knowledgeable in Zoho, but most importantly, he's knowledgeable as being a cloud consultant, which he'll share with you. So without further ado, I'll hand you over to Peter Coy from ProDime. Welcome, Peter. Great to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Now, uh, for everyone watching or listening, uh, Peter has got a beautiful English accent, but you're actually not living in England, Peter. Where are you at the moment? I'm in Belleville, Ontario, and Belleville means beautiful town, and it's actually very well named. It's very apt. <laughs> and as I talked to you, I'm looking out on the river, which flows past, and all the sailboats that go up and down the river. And just to my left is the fantastic Bay of Quinty, which is one of the best fishing places in the world for bass. And I see people driving um, pickup trucks towing incredibly expensive fast boats to catch these bass. And I always think, those bass, they must swim really fast <laughs> to need a boat that fast to kind of, you know, double 250 horsepower and uh, outboards or something. So uh, anyway, it always makes me smile. But we can certainly tell when there's a fishing competition on these $100,000 competitions quite often. Right. So if you catch the most fish, 
you can do extremely well. Yeah, buy a, a better boat that you don't really need, which is a bit like tradesmen and their their utilities. But uh, we're here to talk about your experience as a Zoho partner, as I said in the the setup. And um, you know, why don't you just kick off with who you love to to work with and what problems you love to solve? Absolutely. Well, I've been in the IT business for quite a long time, so I've really started with very huge limitations on what you could do. And now we can do almost everything for next to nothing. It used to be extremely expensive. And now for very little, we can do miracles in comparison to what we could do 30, 40 years ago. So I like clients who are imaginative, appreciative. Uh, I think I, I don't want people who are stuck on we've always done it this way or my accountant wants us to do it this way that kind of thing so we we say look the the whole idea of our kind of systems is you integrate everything because data which is in two places is always wrong in one of them yeah at least it often is wrong in both of them but it's definitely going to be wrong in one of them i like people who have a rational approach to budgeting to say what kind of benefit would we get out of this? What's our objective in, in terms of what this will do for us? I think the I like people who are decisive but not irrational, who have reasonable expectations, and anybody who's implemented anything new successfully knows that there's, uh, for every person who would step through the door to the future, there's a 1,000 who will bar the way. Uh, so it's it's not always easy to implement change unless you do it right the first time. And that means involving everybody in the decision-making process and what the benefits are and showing those benefits right off the bat. I've implemented systems that people have loved, absolutely loved, compared to anything manual or anything badly automated that they were previously using. So if a system is fast, it delivers the goods, people love them, and they will not work against the system. Whereas do it the other way around, mandate things, don't train people, bad news. So somebody who's rational about implementation is is a great help. People have got a deep understanding and love for their business are very good to work with because they think about what their, their client's well-being Yes. The, the client is the center of the world. I would say that I like people who are, rel- are reasonably patient uh, so that when things don't quite work out, they don't fly off the handle. They realize that things are going to go wrong or misunderstandings might happen from time to time. But uh, hopefully their, their faith and confidence in what we do will see them through the, the difficult times, a bit like a marriage. Yes. Yeah. Well, as you're listening to Peter say that, I'm, I'm sure you're all nodding your head saying that there's some qualities that I definitely would love in my clients as well. So how do you qualify them, Peter? Like what's your way of detecting some of these traits in the, yes, absolutely. Yeah, in the pre-sale process? Well, it's interesting. Sometimes people put on a really good face when you're talking to them initially and they seem to follow these traits or have these traits and then when things start to go bad they they get fairly difficult to deal with i don't know 
people people to to put on a a good face at least initially. Uh, but I I've dealt with enough people now that I I get a feel a fairly good feeling, and we do qualify with a process that we call Dawn, which is an acronym for Dollars Authority When and Need, and that seems to help a lot. So need is where people normally start. What are you trying to What are you trying to achieve? And during the achievement part of it, we will often need to talk about what will be the result of putting this in. This the, the need that you have. That's to overcome something which is a negative experience for current clients. Yes, and. We want to make sure that whatever it is that we do will overcome that and talk that through. If people aren't interested in having that conversation, that's a pretty good X against the name. Yes, and we we would back away from that sort of client. I think most of the time, um, we we are hoping that people want to improve both the efficiency of their operation and the quality of life of the people who work for them. So those kind of things, but in that dawn idea. So once we've got the need straight, a when is useful because somebody, you know, we have some people come to us say, "Oh, our Salesforce license is running out next month. We need a new system now." Okay, well, we can do a lot in a month, but boy, you might not be hundred percent. We can certainly move all the data across, but yes, there's going to be other things to do, no doubt. So authority is when you're talking to someone, you might be talking to the to the decision maker, but most decisions are made by a team of some kind, executive team, and we need to make sure that whatever we're saying to that executive that contact is that we are aware of who else is going to be involved and what their outlook on what they need is, because you find that there's generally one guy who can shoot the whole thing down. Yes. 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 And and the dollar? Well, the dollar is an interesting one, which is most people, if you said, well, well, can you give me an idea of what your budget is? They won't tell you. But if you say something like, well, would your budget be, you know, 10,000, 15, 20, 25? And they say, oh, definitely not more than 25 or something like that, you see. So uh, that's about all you can do. You probably won't get a hard number that has been authorized by the board. It's pretty yes. darn difficult. Yeah. And in the initial qualification, you haven't won their trust sufficiently that they'll really talk to you about what's actually going on. But later on, we get to be quite connected to particularly the main sponsor of the system who is charged with being the person making the decisions on the client side. In our case, sometimes it is the president of the company, and that makes life simpler. Yeah, but yes. it could easily be just you know the head of IT or the VP of IT or somebody like that. So that can be difficult because they'll the the president of a company will often react to minor complaints or grumbling by the staff about all this stuff. And of course, change takes time. Yes. It takes time. But eventually, most people say, "Oh, we love this system. We just did our local tennis club and." They're ecstatic about it at the moment that they're not working on spreadsheets anymore. When you've got 300 members, that's a lot of renewing to do. Yes, so yes. That worked well. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, I often found that, well, 
when when I worked in corporate, I found if the the change or the desire for change was great enough, you'd always find money. And that's you know the view that that I had. Have you, have you had a similar experience where you know they actually get to see what the possibility is, and then I suppose the budget becomes less less important. Yes, with the larger organisations, not so much with the smaller ones who are generally limited quite severely by what they can actually afford to do. And certainly we've sometimes worked with a client and talked to them about what the benefits were and what the likely costs were, and they said, well, we can't afford to do that right now, things like that, or we wanted to get a get a government grant to do this and it hasn't come through or something along those lines. Yeah. So that definitely is a big issue, but I always think, you know, if you walk into a car showroom and all you've got to spend is $10,000, they're probably telling you to go away. So mm. we don't say go away, but we're polite about it, but we have to recognize that you can't do things that are very complicated for nothing. Yeah, otherwise yeah. it won't work. The implementation won't be successful. Yeah, no. Look, uh, I, I re- really love that dawn process. Is there any other key parts of the sales process, the end-to-end sales process that um, that you yes. like to talk about to share with? Um, Absolutely. So typically, that dawn process is something you do before you add a particular prospect situation into what we call deals process. The deals process measures of those people who are at least somewhat initially qualified, how many of them worked out and how many of them did not work out. And in both cases, we like to find out and record, well, why didn't it work out or why did it, why did they choose us? Yes. Because those are both very interesting. And obviously, uh, associated with that, there's other information like, what was the lead source? Where did we get this one from? Where did we get this? You know, the ones that won, where did they come from? And what, the ones that we lost, where did those, those ones come from? Because I think one has to connect up sales results with marketing expenditures. So that kind of side of things we do right down to um, specific um, landing pages, advertising, specific advertising that comes in through a landing page, we will record which advertising, exactly which advertising, not just the general campaign, but which ad worked. And that was something I learned very well when I was working on an insurance company's program. And we ended up selling, well, we had 2 million prospects and we ended up selling something like $60 million worth of policy a year with a fully automated process. But of course, in that case, you concentrate on what's your TV advertising saying and which ads on what stations are working and will, and at what time. Immense uh, amounts of leads would come in 500, 1200, 1500 over a weekend we'd find that a lot of them came at two o'clock on the fishing channel. Again, that's those guys with those pickup trucks. Yeah. So yeah. very interesting. Yeah. And, and when you talk about uh, why people choose you, how do you get that information? Like what's, because I know often, you know, it's, if you ask 
people a direct question, like you said before, around budget. It's sometimes hard to get the answer. Like, how do you find out why? Or is there a particular you know, post-interview process you do? Or you just tell us how you're finding that information out? We do have that conversation if we can. I mean, I think if you are in a competition and you lose it, the the potential partner who you haven't, sorry, the potential customer does not generally like to share exactly. But if you've built up a good relationship with somebody over the course of a sales process, they will talk to you about why they chose one thing over another. And it's not the easiest thing to get, but it is part of our checklist. We have a checklist right on the sales process deal, which takes us through 10 good practice, best practice things that we want to do. And we can just check them off. And it's very useful. It's not specifically something that we suggest to clients that they audit strongly, but at the same time, it's not a bad idea for people to self-guide because we want the salesperson to be successful. The salesperson wants to be successful. If they find, you know what, if I use this checklist, I'm more successful than if I don't use it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm much more of a carrot person than a stick person. In fact, I think sticks are useless in computer systems. People will just put in any kind of story and you won't find out until it's too late that yeah. they're just making it up as they go along. But if you give them a tool which is actually useful, that they don't forget to do something which is fairly critical to the sales process, that's worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. And the other thing I find is there, Peter, is working with multiple people on the same deal. So, for example, you know, I have uh, a team of people that help me with LinkedIn outreach, for example, and we have that that checklist in our sales process, in our our CRM, like you said. And, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, I'll go to get in a call with someone and I can just quickly go, well, what have they done? Or I can look up on a deal and say, okay, well, these are the steps that have already been completed. So I think it also helps you make sure that the left and the right arm are, are, um, are in sync when you're going through it. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a brilliant idea. And embedding it as well, I think, is is great. As far as the source patterns, like, you know, once again, like what what's a tip you can give us on source patterns, you know, because I know a lot of people capture the information, but they rarely actually analyze it or do anything with it. How do you use that source information? Well, absolutely. And, and we put information that we think is going to be valuable to clients right on their front page dashboard to say, you know, here's how many leads you've had from this source over this period of time. And sometimes we get into very in-depth analysis of that kind of thing, where we, for example, had to do what was a lead worth uh, 51 to 80 days later? What's the trend of the value of the, the, the lead from this point? So a lead from three months ago, what, what were they worth? And if you then have a trend of... Well, is are our leads becoming more valuable? It means your sales process is converting better. And if it's going down, it means you're not really getting through. So that one, as a visual, was technically tricky to do, yes. but very valuable to people and something that they could look at and say, you know what, we've got a bit of a problem here. Or, hey, whatever we're doing, keep doing it. Um, and certainly some of my 
clients they've had advertising that they've had on for years and everybody says oh it's tired it's so tired it looks old and yet the ad kept on delivering and was tested a b tested against better looking ads with better looking people and not such a clunky script and all that kind of thing but the clunky script kept on outperforming the new ones very interesting so make no assumptions measure everything and and um you know you're listening to to Peter and you and uh, you're probably thinking, you know, how does he get his leads? And you talked about, um, you know, tracking of landing pages. And I know in our preparation, you talked about, um, you know, you do are doing some paid ads, which in particular LinkedIn ads. Which you know, we've got 114 members now of our community. And when I posted recently about who's doing LinkedIn ads, it was sort of cricket. So I'd love to just, you know, you tell us a little bit about your journey with LinkedIn ads and, uh, you know, why you're doing it, how's it working and, uh, and how do you direct traffic to a specific page? Yes. Um, I think with LinkedIn ads, before we want to start a paid advertising process, which can get quite expensive quite quickly, we like to test just posting to target people. Yes. So that's how we would start something off to say, is our pitch actually reaching? Is it valuable? And with uh, my LinkedIn account, I can probably send 10, 15, I think, messages a month to people. And I chose to use those to contact people we could actually identify and say, you know, dear Margaret, here's what we do. Do you think there's a synergy? That sort of thing. So start off by by testing very, very carefully and test on everybody, everybody who might give you good feedback. And then the second thing that we have done before we go to LinkedIn ads is we start doing some programmatic ads to test what the response looks like from specific demographics because we don't have the money to just advertise to everybody. So as much as possible, we try to find out which demographic is identifiable that is most interested in what we're talking about. And then we move over to do doing the LinkedIn advertising. And sometimes we're doing specific contacting as well, because what the heck, I've got these messages, I might as well use them. Yeah. So that's basically and- the yeah, and for though, you know, if you're listening and you're not quite sure what Peter means by programmatic advertising, what, what can you just give us a little bit more detail on that? Programmatic advertising is something that we were able to do um, up until probably the latest Facebook changes, but it's still, I think, doable. And that is that you pick a certain demographic and your ad gets inserted into your chosen um pages so any website like the weather web the weather app has has advertising and it pops up in the various places and the placement of that is randomized and controlled by a program hence it's a programmatic ad yes and it's uh, an online bidding process you bid for that space as somebody who's in your demographic target comes onto the that that actual page is looking at the weather 
And at that point, you say, hmm, they're interesting. So pop the ad in. And then if they click on that ad, that will guarantee that if they then go to another website, which is part of the programmatic group, then they might see the same ad. And uh, programmatic people say people have to see ads six, seven times before they're likely to respond to it. So that's what programmatic's all about. And uh, one, I, I guess that with Facebook, that they've probably eliminated some of that because they changed the rules. Yes. But since we didn't really advertise much on Facebook, it wasn't really worrying us too much. Business to business is probably more easily dealt with on well, either LinkedIn or if you want to go to some of the business newspapers, magazines, etc. So that kind of an idea. So it's a relatively inexpensive way to test something out. We sometimes run a campaign for $1,000. And for that, we get 100,000 impressions roughly. So that's been a a pretty good way for us to get our name out there. And you'll soon find out if nobody's, if your ad has no traction, that's the main thing you find out is, oh, we've got absolutely nothing. Yes. What we thought was a clever idea or something funny or whatever it was didn't work so and and as far as budgets with linkedin like you know don't have to give you exact numbers but uh you know i've heard roughly you know five to eight thousand dollars a month is a sort of typical spend you've got the the agency that's doing it and then you've got you know your ad spend on top of that you know what what sort of budget do do we look for when we're yeah, you know linkedin ads because we're because of what we do in a way we're almost like the local vets or something because we have a limited capacity. So one of the things that we're quite concerned about is being overwhelmed. Yes. So typically we'll increase advertising if we're not getting the level of response that we're looking for, but we're not interested in spending a huge amount of money, getting huge numbers of people that we then can't respond to. We're not a big enough company to do that. So um, it's been, we try to automate our, our process as much as possible. So when people do come in on a landing page, we'll give them some options about what they want to do, find out more, talk to us now, book a meeting, those kind of things. All of that's automated. Um, but we're probably not going to be typical company with a big product that you can sell any number of. We're not like that. We're a service more than anything else. So once our service people are all busy, 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 they don't need any more, thanks very much, so shut it down. (laughs) And we do have a little bit of this goes on, which is project. When you're working on a project, you can think about nothing else typically. And then you think, okay, we're coming to the end of the project, advertise, project, advertise, it goes like that. So we don't spend huge amounts of money on LinkedIn either. We spent $2,000 or something like that. So Right. Yeah. So if you look at, I know you said you've done roughly 150 uh, projects uh, with with Zoho uh, in particular. What what are the key sources of of leads of those 150? Like how many are from Zoho themselves? How many are through LinkedIn ads? How many are through other other, um, means? I would say number one would be, people who found us on the Zoho consultants page and 
because of our experience that we've been around for 11 years working on implementation or by our proximity to where they live and work or whatever, uh, those, those people do get in touch with us. And uh, that has driven us as Soho's base has increased, then obviously the demand for uh, people like us has increased. Plus the COVID period meant that you needed a system that you could utilize and run from anywhere and manage your entire business from anywhere. And I think, as you know, that's become a, a standard that you have to offer at least hybrid, unless you're Elon Musk, then you could do whatever the hell you like, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, most sorry. people would say, yes, you know, this if, if it works and people have been forced to find out whether the hybrid or the or the dedicated off off-site working actually is a viable model, then they want to carry on with it. In our experience, the only thing that really didn't work for us was we had some business students who came in and they stayed where they were and they didn't have the fun of coming to a, another new interesting place and they couldn't look over the shoulders and we didn't have the resources to um, be online with them the whole time. Yes. So, so that I think that caused we didn't get efficient use out of people who weren't actually local if you're teaching people if you're mentoring people it's hard to do over the over zoom all the time or something like that yeah yeah and and we'll talk about team just in a moment in, in a bit more detail but just so obviously zoho partner directory and page that's number one what are some other key sources of well ways? we certainly do um, get some referrals mm-hmm. from our existing clients when other people find out about us word of mouth through chambers of commerce, that kind of thing. And I've, I've got an incredible number of clients from just my personal contact with them over the years. Some of our biggest clients have come from chance conversations after a game of squash or, or in a tennis club or something like that. So we have, that is probably, you know, our fourth, largest source of of business because people like to do business with people they like Mm. and if they know you and they realize that you've been doing this for a while they're much more inclined to to work with you so that's been i think that's probably there and the rest would be yes advertising is probably third so we're definitely getting some in that way articles posts on posts on we we do automated posts onto facebook linkedin so it is basically little snippets of of our skill set that get shared or new facilities that have come out from zoho that we share to people or a new pragmatic approach to sales management for example is another popular way that we 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 post those out we tweet about them, and all of that's managed by Soho Social, which is quite a useful conglomerate way of sending out multi-posts all over the place. Right, and uh, we talked briefly about teams. So I know one of the things you're keen to share with with everyone was the uh, the way that you're uh, managing a remote team. You said with COVID, that's sort of become 
more yes. and more the case. And it's not for everyone, like you said, with the students, et cetera. But just tell us a little bit about how you go about managing your remote team. Yes. Well, we obviously, because we, we have the full Zoho One product to use, and it makes sense for us to always use Zoho products, if if it's a feasible thing to do, we will use the Zoho products. And the Zoho product we've been using very successfully is Zoho Click. And Click is exceptionally valuable that we would never pick up the phone to talk to any of our staff now. It's always done by Click. And Click will do a phone call for you if, if they're not on their computer where they can talk like this as we're talking right now. Yes. They can talk on their phone and still have the full visual side of things. So a bit like WhatsApp. Yes. But it's WhatsApp with full security and something where we will often share documents through that system or share links to documents um, and other um, information. So it's got that posting capability. It, it does make a little bleep or a click noise when you get a new message. And you can call somebody as if it were a telephone, so it will ring on their end, and you can hear it ringing. So it's quite interesting. We've almost stopped using the telephone. Yeah, yeah. we have one telephone line now; just comes to me. So <laughs> that's about it. Everybody, other than that, works off their mobiles, and we we click into them. So very worthwhile, inexpensive facility for sharing documents, coordinating the team, having um, unplanned meetings is the best way to put it. Yeah, so yeah. You're not going to be interrupting people all the time, but sometimes it's important. You need something. You need it now. Yeah, and look, it'll, it'll be in the show notes, but it's C-L-I-Q. Q, yes. Yes, yes. So that's uh, how they spell click. And, and just quickly on that, so is that something that you know some people can buy just as a standalone product from Zoho yes. versus... They, they can, although it makes sense to get the workplace uh, product bundle because that has everything really for virtual work without things like CRMs added on the top. But, I mean, they're fully integrated with the CRM. Yes. But workplace has the word processor, which is phenomenal. I love the writer for word processor. I mean, I sound like I'm a, a shill for Zoho things, but believe me, if it wasn't good, I wouldn't say it. Yes. If I didn't like it, and I'm very picky about stuff I use, but I choose to use the Zoho Rider. It's fabulous. And you get multiple people on at once. It's great. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Because what is there, 50? I think there's someone quoted me 50 the other day. In uh, Zoho One, is there 50 applications? 50 applications, yeah. And it really is. And it has beautiful things like the chat when you, somebody comes on your web page. It manages that and you can put your own bots on and click will tell you how many people have visited your site and how many of them you engaged with. So we have some clients who sell um, uh, basically packaged goods yes. who engage that way and chat that way. And it can be a voice. It can be just text, but you can switch over to a voice call. And it has gives you a little bullseye of how long people have been on the site and what pages they've been to is pretty handy. And uh, so that's something that we use utilize quite a bit. Um, the other thing is uh, page sense, which tells us whether people scroll down below the fold. 
and where they've been and what they've clicked on and what they haven't clicked on so you can optimize your landing pages. So these are really neat little facilities. So we believe that you can run your entire business on Zoho products and you don't really use need to use anything from anybody else. Microsoft Word, not really. Excel, not really. All of these things are included in Zoho One. So it's kind of crazy, amazing, big. But people aren't used to having everything in one pot, one login, you're done. So I like it because I'm sort of lazy about stuff like that. I don't want to have to be moving data from one place to another. So having fully integrated data and systems is, is terrific. And that's really what we try to convince our customers. That's Say true. you don't have to have that, 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 and that. You can do this and pull it all together. And Soho Analytics can bring in data from any database that you want to you know, mix in. So the analytics side is strong too. Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Well, look, what we'll do now is go into the deep dive. So I'll ask right. you some questions and get some rapid fire answers. So the first <laughs> versus, yeah. you know, we may have covered a little bit of this, but what are some specific daily habits, sales habits that you do each day to help you accelerate your sales? Absolutely. And that's tasks. We have tasks associated with people and with deals, and those are prioritized and dated. So we mark off whether we've done, we do work through the tasks and it, if we don't have a meeting, that's what we're doing. We're working through the tasks that we've allocated. Yeah, Very good habit, easy to do. Great. And I think, you know, you've covered technology pretty well, which I normally ask people around what technology they use. You've talked about Zoho, but is there anything else outside of Zoho that you use specifically for the sales? No, I can't think of anything else that we use. As I say, I mentioned programmatic, which is outside. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Other but, than that, no. Okay, great. And, um, you know, I think the, and, and anything for finding better, um, better data. So we've, you know, there's Zoom info, there's uh, Trigger, there's a couple of other uh, package or I suppose uh, platforms to use. Have you used anything like that? Um, not really. I would say that we can find clients on LinkedIn is probably our number one thing to do. And uh, again, we don't need the sales volume. We're not selling thousands a week or something. So yes. it's not quite the same. Yes. Uh, we, yeah. We'd rather not be overwhelmed. Thank you. Great. All right. Well, it's, um, I know that, you know, you're probably sitting there thinking, wish I had, you know, it's, it's either you're in one camp or the other. And like you said, it's like a roller coaster. And me being a partner myself knew, you know, one day you've got too many projects, the next day you don't have enough. So, um, but the last question is uh, a big one, and that's why I leave it to the end. And, and what's one action we can take from today to 10x our sales? I would say that this level of automation and linking between marketing and sales uh, is, is essential. And having a sales process which you also support so that people can easily do the right thing. That's the key to successful systems. Make it easy for people to do the right thing that's going to be successful and they're going to like it. Yeah, and I love your comment before about carrots, not sticks. I think that's um, so important. So, um, look, we'll put all the links 
in the show notes uh, that you've mentioned. And um, yeah, it's, it was great having you on today, Peter. I know that you know you were early on to to Zoho, and now you know I think there's what 75 million users. But I think yeah. you really have given us you know Dawn and a couple of other things that are unique that you can take away and uh, implement into your cloud consulting business. So uh, wonderful uh, to have you on today and, and thanks a lot for sharing your experience and wisdom. Oh, thank you, Paul. It's been a delight and any time. I really loved that interview with Peter and in particular how he went through that dawn process. I think that pre-qualification is great. And prior to us finishing, uh, with he, we spoke about the Sandler uh, techniques. I'm sure you've probably heard of that, but he, he incorporates a lot of that into his process. But I thought that was wonderful. And uh, if you thought the same, why not share it with Peter? So he is active on LinkedIn. So why not um, share what you've learned out of this and uh, mention him on LinkedIn. And you can obviously f- find out more at prodime.ca. So that's P-R-O-D-I-G-M.ca ca because he does live in california uh, sorry in california he does live in uh canada even though he's got a lovely english accent and uh, as always you can get the summary of the notes here uh, and all the key links then you can go to paulhickensmentoring.com to get more details and just search episode 410 and also you can get a full transcript as well. And uh, why not share it? Like that dawn process is so valuable. And if you know other cloud consultants, why not share it with them? Uh, whether it you know be one or, or 10, they'll think you're a rock star for sending it to them. And uh, check out our solo shows where I you know cover topics in uh, less than 10 minutes. And uh, if you listen at two and a half times speed, that's uh, five minutes. Uh, that free Slack community is the Cloud Consultants Collective Com. And next week's guest is Doug Davidoff, and he's talking about how you get um, leads without referring or relying on your partner. And he's from the HubSpot community. And uh, I heard him on a podcast, and he's wonderful. And I can't wait to have him on ours. Uh, as always, the last thing is take action to accelerate your sales. I'm fired up after today's episode. What about you? But hey, before you go, learning is just one piece of the puzzle. Now it's time to put today's strategy into action. Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is. And don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.